Hi, welcome to Makeup is the Foundation. I'm your host, Erica Carr, and I am so happy right now because if you guys heard my very first podcast, you know that I will be bringing on some of the most incredible artists in our industry, and I just happen to have someone on the line right now. Who could it be but the one and only Gregory Arlt? <gasps> me. I'm guilty. It's me. It's you. Hi. How are How you? How are you? Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. You know, I've always said I have a face for podcasts, so this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a face for so many things, honey. You know what? Gregory Arlt is the director of makeup artistry for Matt Cosmetics. He's been in the industry for over 25 years, and he is born and raised in Los Angeles. So, honey, you've seen it all from the beginning. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Isn't it crazy? I mean, I, I started makeup before there was the internet. I mean, how does that make you feel? <laughs> what was that? Oh, my gosh. It was in the Jurassic era. And it was funny because when we first started out doing makeup, we had to go to this really weird place for references. It was called the library. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Oh, do they still have those? I think so. I, I'm sure I'm overdue. <laughs> I'm sure my book is late. <laughs> There's a fine somewhere, honey. Oh my honey, Sam Fine of mine <laughs> when, when you first started your career I remember you telling because you know if you guys don't know this okay first of all I have been doing makeup since 1992 and one of my very first ever um was Gregory Arlt and so I worked with him in San Francisco and we you know I've taken a lot of classes with him and mm -hmm. as I was becoming an artist he was always somebody that I would aspire to be because he came in professional he knew his stuff he knew his product he knew his client and I would always kind of set those benchmarks for myself and I know that you mm. um, born and raised in Los Angeles how did you even begin doing makeup Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you for all that. I mean, I, I'll never forget meeting you in San Francisco for the first time when I was doing a master class at the beautiful Union Street location. That was one yes. of my favorite stores, my, one of my favorite Mac locations. Oh my gosh, it's such a crazy story. I mean, it's funny because um, do you want the Starbucks uh, tall, grande, or venti version? Because I can really go deep you know what i love i love a trenta myself so go for it oh hey all right fine. don't threaten well i was born in 19 no, i'm just kidding um <laughs> well it's kind of you know it's an amazing it's so funny today's a really really special day for me on a lot of levels because i'm actually here at the mac southwest campus and um they're doing a basic training with about 30 people and they asked me to come in and do a little bit of a guest uh guest appearance and a little talk and one of the stories was this exact story. So it's very fresh on my mind <laughs> how I got my start. And, um, and I'm so glad to share it with all your listeners. Um, well, it's kind of funny. You know, I grew up a um, child of the 80s. Well, I was born in 7D. Yes, do the math. And oh, um, <laughs> best time child ever. of the 70s and the 80s. Best time ever. Exactly. I know. Um, and, you know, I grew up in a very, very creative household. I had two older sisters, a mother and a father who's an artist. And, you know, while a lot of fathers were like taking their sons out to learn to throw a football around, my dad was setting up easels and teaching us how to paint. And it was a really, really creative way to grow up. And I've, I'd always been very hyper aware of makeup and the power of makeup. And I had two true aha moments in my life that kind of led me where I am today. Um, one of which was when I was around 11 years old, my mother went to the Broadway department store and had a makeover. <laughs> oh, those are fun. What was that? Like? Yes. And you can imagine I was, uh, gosh, 11, I guess it was 1980 or 81. Well, my mother, it's funny because my mother reminds me actually a lot of Dita Von Tees. Very, she had very pale skin, dark brows, 
really, really big, beautiful blue eyes and um, always wore a red lip with minimal eye makeup, though. So she had this very kind of Audrey Hepburn sort of look about her. And I remember she came home and looked like Endora from Bewitched. And <laughs> who's you also, don't know. Listeners, if I was you're not familiar say. with Endora, there is like a very heavy brow. There was a very strong greenish blue cream based eye. honey. It was like crazy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it was like full 1960s drag. It was incredible. And I remember Amazing. I was like, where is my mother? Who is this lady? You know, and I saw the transformative power. And I remember she, of course, you know, the sucker that she was, God rest her soul. She bought every single last product that they sold to her. And of course, she promptly really never used it ever again. But I did. <laughs> I stuck into <laughs> I her dresser and tried on makeup. So that I saw the transformative power of makeup. And then I remember when I was around, um, I'm sorry, I got my dates mixed up. I was seven when that happened. So that was like 1977, probably. So a and very so, impactful time as a, as a child. Yes, a very impactful t- time as a child, because you look at your mother in such a specific way. And to have somebody walk through the door who you really didn't recognize, but had your mother's voice was kind of, you know, it, it was a very arresting moment for me, like, oh, my gosh, wow, that's makeup. Um when I was 11, now this is the 11 year old story. Um, my father, who was a graphic designer um, and also a fine artist, um, as a graphic designer, again, pre internet, pre Google, um, he would get a lot of books that came across his desk. And one of them was the very famous um, book, Women by Francesco Scavolo. Oh, of course. course. Famous photographer who shot all the Cosmo covers. And I remember my father saying, Gregory, come here, come here. I got to show you something. Look at this. And he opened up the book and it was like he opened it and it was on two pages. There were two women. One of them on the left was this sort of very plain Jane, freckled, redhead, like no lashes, no brows, blonde hair. And then the woman next to her was a total bombshell. Big sprayed hair, makeup for days, contour, glamour. And I remember being 11, thinking to myself, gosh, that was kind of mean that they put this sort of homely woman next to this glamazon. And my father in one fell swoop said, that's, it's the same woman, same person. And it was Patty Hanson. Oh, wow. Totally. And I remember that was a major aha moment for me. Do you remember like the feeling that went through your body when that realization happened? Yes. I, I, it's like, it's yesterday. I literally, when I look back at it now, it was a, it was in one fell swoop. I got a lesson in makeup, hair, lighting, photography, and layout, art direction. It was just boom. It was all. It was almost too much for my brain, and I, I got a tingle. I remember thinking, "Oh my God, you can do that! That's 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 how it that's how it works," you know. And it and was think- really fascinating. I think it's really important for people to know this is because a lot of times, especially when we're starting out, we're really just concerned with, you know, eyeshadow placement, lashes and whatever, but really understanding the whole picture, understanding literally the art layout and the clothing and the references and creating something that hasn't been done before is so imperative to growing your artistry. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, I mean, that's that, and I would love to tap on that. If we could put a little pin in that one, because it's, I, I think one of the most important things for any artist to know is your references. And I would love to elaborate that on, uh, uh, elaborate on that later. So put the put a little bookmark in that one. <laughs> yes. Perfect for references. For you know, sure. um, with Gregory's career, he has touched some of the most 
famous faces, faces. And earlier he mentioned Dita Von Teese. And I think like going back to that first time, you know, when you see your mom in a different light, mm-hmm. um, your, your hand has made the strokes of Dita Von Teese and, and Gwen Stefani who, who have that, you know, nod to vintage in a way. And you've mm. done those strokes so many times. It's like second nature to you, but you mm. know, having that signature that someone of that's at that level of, of celebrity and, um, you know, performing artists trust your hands to, you know, time after time do that same thing so that their branding is on point. You know, when you're in that set, every time you work with Dieter, every time you work with, with Gwen, do you feel that tingle again? Do you feel that like wow moment every time? Because I feel like, you know, you've done it thousands of times, but do you still get wowed by working with clients like that? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think it never, ever gets old, ever. And uh, that's one of the things that I'm so grateful about. I mean, I still literally, I'm not even just saying this for your podcast (laughs) or to make myself sound cool, but I I honestly still, like, I'm still that kid who grew up in Westchester, California by the airport who is like, it's not even so much a starstruck thing, but it's more of a, oh my gosh, I get to do this. This is, I, I get to create this glamour, be collaborative with these people that I'm working with. And um, it's, it really is a thrill. And, and, you know, it's funny, kind of going back to the before and afters, I've always, always been fascinated with before and afters. And I remember my mom used to subscribe to Good Housekeeping and there was always the, you know, the, the makeover at the very end of the magazine. I would, I would get the magazine before she got her hands on it to go back and look at that makeover because it was so exciting and inspiring. And it's amazing when you work with somebody who's a known uh, glamazon, like Adita Montes or Gwen Stefani, who are just as lovely with no makeup on, of course. But like when you get them in their full, you know, sort of um, beat, uh, it, it really is an exciting moment when the transformation occurs and the lashes go on and everything just sort of elevates. When you look at your list of, um, you know, folks that you work on, it's not just women. I mean, of course, we can go from like Alicia Keys to Carmen Electra to Cher, but you've also done quite a bit of men's grooming. And I see that you've on your um, on your list, it says The Rock, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I, I'm just so curious. what What's that about? How did that happen? Imagine. How well, it's so... whip out a ruby woo and a wing liner, and then the rock is co- coming a calling. Like, tell me about that. I know, right? Well, it's it's so funny because um, I'm I really don't do a lot of male grooming. I do. I mean, it's 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 so funny because I find that oftentimes men are a little more high maintenance than the women. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, and I'm talking <laughs> about myself. No, but it's it's you know it's more thrilling to me to to you know, create glamour on a woman, of course, or, um, you know, somebody who's much more in, in tr- into makeup. But it was funny because I had just shot um, the Viva Glam campaign with David LaChapelle, and I worked with Sir Elton John, another man. And oh. I know, total pinch me moment. Can't even begin to describe how incredible that was. And um, in fact, it's really funny, full circle, in the Viva Glam ad, it was Mary J. Blige, Shirley Manson, and um, Elton John. And I just worked with Shirley two days ago, and we were referencing that shoot and what a powerful, incredible, amazing shoot that was. 
Um, to and Shirley Manson, of course, from the band Garbage. That from was the band Garbage, yes. In the 90s that I'm obsessed with, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, and who's literally one of the most fabulous people you'll ever hope to meet. Um, oh, truly. And it was amazing because it was, for me, that was such a pinch me moment because, you know, the uh, the Viva Glam program is such a benchmark for Mac. I mean, it's such an important program. And for those listeners who don't know what that is, it's basically 100% of the selling retail selling price goes to people living with HIV and AIDS, AIDS prevention, education and awareness. And I mean, literally, it's raised $500 million in the last 25 years. It's a huge thing. And so we've always had spokespeople who really do um sort of you know spread the word of aids aids and hiv prevention education and awareness and so i remember getting asked to do this campaign and asked to work with elton john who i literally grew up listening to his music i mean he's it's it's a a, a cornerstone of my childhood elton john and david la chapelle the famous photographer was shooting the campaign and i had not worked with him and i was really excited i mean it was just like every check mark you know like right a Mac campaign, check. Viva Glam, check. David LaChapelle, check. Elton John, check. You know. How do you even was... sleep at night with all of these incredible things happening to you at like 24-7? It's amazing. Xanax. Xanax. Right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. It's like I, I, it was the same feeling the night before of going to Disneyland as a child. You know, it was like really super exciting. And so anyway, very short story longer. Um, it was a great shoot. It all worked out. David's people were like, oh, he's so happy with you. Can we get your information? We'd love to work with you. And I was like, sure, no problem. And literally three days later, they said, are you available in L.A.? We're shooting The Rock for Vanity Fair. <laughs> and when you get a call saying David LaChapelle wants you for The Rock and Vanity Fair, you just do not say no. Of course. And I had the very, very daunting task of rubbing oil all over his body. <laughs> what kind of oil? Don't be jealous. What kind of oil? That? What kind of oil did you use? Do you know what's so funny? So I used it, it. It only lasted for a little bit. It was a prototype, and it eventually came out. But I work very closely with product development and Mac, and it was a prototype of a really amazing sort of bronzed body oil. And I remember David was like, David LaChapelle was like, you know, I really wanted to look really shiny and sweaty, and the more the better. And I was like, I'll keep rubbing. I'm good. <laughs> And he was literally the rock was the, is the kindest, sweetest. He was the most gentle guy. It was so easy to work with him. And it was a really, really sort of um, really stunning quintessential David LaChapelle shoot where when I pulled up, there was uh, a trailer for the Brahma bull that was in the photo shoot with the rock. Yes. A live bull. So, oh, wow. Welcome to a David LaChapelle shoot. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. The, I heard the setup takes forever and it's just like that one big shot and, Oh my gosh, it, it, it was and it is and it was phenomenal and it was so great to be able to work with him. And so when you're so going back to some of your your women and your your glamorous women, I noticed <laughs> you have listed Joan Collins. <laughs> on, on, and I'm wondering yes. because, you know, she's so well known for playing, you know, on, on um, Dynasty in the 80s. And she kind of created that, you know, expensive, like shoulder padded, super confident. Oh, full 80s Glamazon. Yeah, like totally. because you're an 80s kid. I mean, what was that like? Well, it's really funny because, you know, it was it was almost uh, it was a funny situation because I actually got called in to help her choose makeup and kind of play around with a look for her wedding. <laughs> I'm oh. not sure what husband number it was, but his name. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> she was delightful and so great. And to be honest with you, she um, 
obviously he came in with makeup on and we just kind of tweaked and played around a little bit and um and it was incredible and and funny little full circle full circle moment was i actually got to work with her sister jackie as well a couple of years wow. later who was could not have been more unbelievable and incredible and i mean they were and joan was just super funny and sharp-witted and just i mean literally a, a delight and i was nervous i thought oh my gosh what's this going to be like you know this is a woman who's definitely a brand it's like a liz taylor you know they're very known for the way they do their hair and makeup and um, she was true to brand, but it was a lot of fun playing around and uh, coming up with some makeup. And speaking about, you know, working with someone that, who has a brand, you know, like a Joan Collins who does, you know, stage work and television work and film. And then you jump to someone like Eliza Minnelli, who's also on your resume. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, how do you go about it? Because I think a lot of artists, including myself, struggle with, you know, you want to please the client, of course. You want right. to do all the things that they know that work for them or that don't work for them. You want to shy away from. But how can you also interpret, um, incorporate your own personal skill set to, you know, to make that happen without just kind of following steps? Because I think a lot of people either follow the steps and they think like, well, that's not me. Or they go so far the other way that the client's mm-hmm. like, that's not me. And then they that's not me. Don't know. So how, how would you manage that or give advice to someone kind of struggling with that? So it's really interesting because, you know, timing is everything, isn't it? You know, and it's, and to your point, when you're dealing with somebody who's a true brand like Adida, like a Liza Minnelli who really truly have a signature look like a, a, an Elizabeth Taylor who I sadly never got to work with, but you know um, who are known for having their makeup done a specific way um, and, and really like it that way. You know, you, you kind of run the risk when you first work with somebody, I guess initially you just have a dialogue. You become very collaborative. Like, you know, my first question to anybody that I work with right when they sit down is who do you want to be today? Who, who are you? Who is she? You know, who do you want to be? I hope you guys are and, taking notes because this is gold right here. Okay. So who yes. do you want to be? Who do you want to be? You know, sometimes people say, what are we doing today? And you know, it's that, but who do you want to be? It really makes them wrap their head around everything, you know, and it's, it's, it, 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 it forces them to kind of go, well, I just, you know, it's sometimes I'll say, well, I just want to look good or, Maybe we can do da da da, or you know, I really want to try a red lip today. I mean, there's so many different directions that question can take you. And um, so, working with someone like Liza, who again is such a brand, you know, we worked together to actually. It was in support of her Mac Cosmetics campaign, and she was doing a ton of promotion for it. And um, you know, sometimes you really can you run the risk of being a makeup applicator and not a makeup artist. And that is such a good point. I need to, I want to pause there because there yes. are, because of course we all know because of social media and Instagram, everybody wants mm-hmm. to be a makeup artist. There is a very fine line, but also a broad Valley when it comes to a makeup applicator versus an artist. And I think because you grew up in an artistic household by having easels and paintbrushes around rather than, you know, footballs or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And being able to kind of hone your skills over long haul um, is a good way to start. And it doesn't take away from people that picked it up later, but really understanding the difference between the applicator versus the artist and being able to insert your creative flow, so to speak. So I, I think that's really important. Right. Well, I think so. And, you know, there's, and it's also too, for instance, um, I always think to myself, there's got to be a reason why they wanted me. You know, there must be a reason why they booked Gregory Arlt instead of X, Y, Z. 
Is it because of a reputation? Is it because they like my work? Is it the style that they want? Um, is it that they'd never heard of me and I was the only one available? You know what I mean? Which has happened. And I think that, you know, it's just an interesting dialogue to have, you know, um, really, truly collaborating with somebody, especially when you have somebody who is, you know, of a certain age, of a certain era, has a very specific way of, of doing their makeup. And I remember working with Liza, it was like, I don't know, we worked, it was like our fourth time in, and I remember her saying, you know, I just, I can't wait to just play, and I want you to do what you want, and one of my favorite things about working with Kevin O'Quan was we were adventurous, and, and I loved it, and I, I really feel that we could really go that direction, and it was a huge compliment to me because, you know, at the, at the beginning, she just wants to look and feel like herself, and Liza Minnelli herself is, you know, a contoured crease, top and bottom lashes, you know, a lip color, contour you know I, I learned more about contour sitting with her in an hour than I had in my entire career well, that's incredible wow <laughs> and that's the truth <laughs> yeah exactly I was contouring places I didn't even know existed <laughs> you behind know? the and ears behind the neck all of those all things. of it all of it you know truly and it's because she also too it's that whole thing being on stage you know making your face pop and and it, it was so intriguing and so um incredible but I think also, too, and I, and I urge your listeners to really um, pay attention to this because I, I think oftentimes we have to assist, not insist, when we sit down with someone for the first time. Great. And assist, not insist. Assist, not insist. But you also uh, don't want to be subservient, you know, and, right. and you have a brand, you have a style of makeup. And it's just kind of having that um, that professional conversation. Sometimes you can butt heads with somebody. You don't take it personally. Sometimes you think, well, I'm just going to make them happy and I'm going to move on and never work with this person again. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so many right. different things. But it's just gaining trust. It's establishing trust. And, you know, it, it, oftentimes, for instance, for listeners that perhaps do bridal makeup or whatever, you know, so I always insist on doing a trial, like really going through the motions instead of like, you know, trying to jump off the, the high dive on the big day and to establish that trust and kind of work through it and play around. Um, I worked last year, late last year and in, um, in October, I was fortunate enough to get a three week gig with Shania Twain in oh, Nashville, wonderful. well, which was incredible. And it was for her show, Real Country. And we had never worked together before, ever. And um, I had come highly recommended. And I happened to know her hairdresser as well. And it was great because the first day we worked together, they literally gave us about three hours together, just the two of us. Oh, no that's a dream. <laughs> and it was a real dream. And it was incredible. And, um, and it was a really, really good way to kind of speed date and get to know each other and go on, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you, how do you envision yourself? And she was so, so great and so collaborative and, and, you know, really has a very, um, uh, you know, she has a very specific way she likes her makeup, but she's also open to ideas and to play around. And, and um, it was, it was certainly a blast coming up with new looks each time we worked together. You know, I think it's really wonderful when you can actually go from like the full beat down because someone's going to be on camera or film or going to be presenting. You can collaborate with someone who's used to looking a certain way, but be open. Um, but then there's also, I know another reason why people hire you is because you are like the skin master. So I think like mm. talking about doing intense makeup looks um, for a certain brand look like, um, you know, a Joan Collins and, and such. And then you've got these like supermodels you've worked with like Cindy Crawford and Tatiana Patisse and people that don't look like they have any makeup on. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then you also have a huge range of skin tones that you work with. I mean, you've done everyone from Regina King and Sonico Martin Green and Eve and, you know, um, Denai Guetta and everyone, you know, in between. And I, I would love for you to speak about to newer artists or even artists that are shying away from either working with super, super light skin or super, super olive skin or super, mm-hmm. super pigmented skin and how important that is to know and to offer. I cannot stress the importance of diversity in makeup enough. It is every makeup, I mean, you might have a specialty, but it's every makeup artist's responsibility to know how to work with every single skin tone and have the means in their kit to facilitate that. Always, always be prepared. And it's, and you know, it's so funny. I love every single range of skin. I, I, there's not one favorite skin tone that I have. And I, and I, I think that's what makes makeup exciting is diversity and, you know, playing around with different skin tones. I mean, I've gone from some of the palest skin tones like Adita Von Tees and a Christina Hendricks and Anne Hayes, who were very, very pale, Michelle Trachtenberg, you know, all these lovely sort of pale skin girls to, you know, the Denai Guerreras and the Alec Wex of the world who, you know, Alec never had a foundation match before we worked together and, and working backstage at Fashion Week. And, you know, because we had it in our kits and it's always important to have every single thing in your kit. And I think in this age right now of all these different brands, um, especially Mac was the forefront of having the palest of the pale to the darkest of the dark and every single thing in between there's no excuse not to be able to do that. And I think just like everything, everything, it takes confidence. I think it's so important to learn color correcting and skin tone matching and having the right foundations and realizing that we're not all one color. Sometimes you blend two colors to get that perfect shade for one face. So it's, it's you, a really thing. I can't stress it enough. Do you have any advice for, okay, so this is the question that comes up a lot. There are people that are, you know, just starting out and, you know, they say like, well, I, I have all these foundations in my kit. And I, and I always say, you know, buy every third or every fourth one, learn how to blend, yes. Now, if I'm newer or if I don't live in an area where it's a diverse community, how can I go and learn, you know, how to do this? And how would I effectively, you know, ask someone, hi, I, I don't know how to do your skin tone. Can you sit for me? I mean, is that okay? Like, <laughs> for well, people are afraid to ask because they don't want to insult. And they also think like, how do I know this looks okay? I mean, do, is it just, you know, put the foundation on the cheek or the neck and it does it disappear? I mean, what do you think for someone, let's say, that's never worked with a deep skin tone? What, what would you say to them? Well, there's a lot of really good points in everything you just said. And the first thing is, how would I go to learn? Well, I would go to Erica Carr's courses because the best of the best are <laughs> well, teaching there. <laughs> and there's hands-on training. I would go to Mac Master Classes. Um, I think that, um, I mean, I mean, for gosh sakes, you can pick up your phone now and look at videos of, of tutorials and how to's and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so many different ways of learning. I think the best way is hands-on practicing. Yes. And I think to your point, if you have a good relationship with somebody, like, let's say you've got a friend, maybe with a deeper skin tone, you're like, listen, can you help a brother out? Like, let me practice on your face. (laughs) Can we please practice? I want to try different looks. It's not just foundation and powder and concealer and color corrector it's how do eyeshadows perform how do lipsticks perform all of it how do blushes perform and um and products i mean there it really is um it's it's really important to to kind of go back to your other i mean at the end of the day i mean i i 
I'm sure every market has a CVS, you know, and there's right. all different kinds of brands in there and there's all different kinds of skin tones and, you know, there's online, you can, you know, buy anything from Mac online anywhere in the world. And um, I think that to kind of go back to your point, which I agree with, I always say, think, you know, um, light, medium and dark and everything in between every third shade. I mean, you know, there's some brands have over 50 foundation colors and it's like, do you need them? So it's a matter of like, just, you know, kind of getting light, medium, dark, a couple shades in between and then blending until you get what you need. Do you think, um, for instance, like when it comes to Mac, because you work for them and you, you know, you know, all of the products that they have, um, if someone is just kind of like, um, like for me and we, and we talked about this before, getting back into Mac or kind of like, I don't know what products to get. I, I use this on myself or I haven't bought from Mac in a while, or I, I wanted something new. If there's like a top five Mac products that are happening right now that you think are super um, helpful for somebody maybe just starting out or that you think should be incorporated into a kit, what would that be? Very, very good question. Well, I always say, let's talk about skin. So I really love the, um, the the pro concealers that are actually in the palettes there's six shades in each palette and there's like there's a light a medium medium plus dark deep dark and there's actually now even the darkest of the dark um for color correcting and i always tell people like if that's all you have with you on set you can make it work you know you can put a little drop of like i love the mac prep and prime essential oil that's probably number two on my list because it really is an incredible product that can add um, hydration and also can, it can actually, it can um, uh, extend a lot of foundations. Like I've actually used a drop of this prep and prime essential oil in with a, um, a concealer in the, in the pot and be, been able to shear it down and do a, sh- a beautiful sheer skin on somebody. Um, so really kind of skin tones, like the concealers are great. Cause if you want to use them full coverage, you can, if you want to shear them down, you can. I love um, that it's multifunctional because I find yes. that buy something that does more than one thing, guys, it, you save money and you just, it, you appear to be more efficient in what you're doing. And it also, I feel like challenges you to make it work if you don't have, you know, every single thing at your disposal. So I love that. That's great. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's funny because the concealer palettes, I mean, in each one of them, like I said, there's six shades. So like basically you have two NW shades, which are neutral warm, kind of more like pinky, like uh, more of a golden peak or peach undertone to the skin. And then NC, which is more like a, a, a fairly traditional skin tone, neutral cool, which is a little bit more golden olive. And then you have two color correctors on the bottom as well. So it really is kind of a one-stop shopping thing. And then, of course, you can expand. Um, Mac Face and Body Foundation is iconic. It's one of my favorites. It's been around since before I was with the brand. And it's literally like, it's like a second skin. It's like basically like having um, a she- the most sheer coverage that you can build foundation. It's incredible. And of course you need a Ruby Woo lipstick. Everyone needs the classic red. <laughs> oh, I love Ruby Woo. Isn't that what Robert Smith Me uses too. in the to smear all over his face? From what I understand, that is correct. <laughs> I, love it. I have heard that. I think it was Russian red and then it turned yes. into Ruby Woo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I and... Think one of the things I think a lot of people think about, but they don't like to talk about it. And we're going to just switch gears, guys, because, of course, you know, having a career as, as wonderful as Gregory's and being able to work with all of these incredible faces, working in Hollywood and traveling the world with a global brand is all incredible. But 
what happens when you get home? Like what happens when you're not cleaning a brush, driving to a gig, <laughs> checking off your invoices and checking in with your agency and all the things that, you know, a lot of people don't know what happens behind the scenes. So I kind of wanted to talk about that as well. And I wanted to get your take. I, I think a lot of people keep, either keep it to themselves. They don't like to talk about it or they don't think who they're talking to truly understands their industry. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be married to someone who's in the beauty industry. You have a boyfriend who's in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. Like, can you kind of talk about how you balance your day-to-day when you're not working? Yes. Well, first and foremost, I'm glad you brought up the companions because, you know, it's interesting. My, my joke was I will never, ever date somebody in the beauty industry. And it turns out it's the best thing I've ever done. And well, for many different reasons. I mean, his career is a side, is a, is a sidebar of who he is as a human being. And, and, you know, just one of the most remarkable humans I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and knowing and, but also who truly does understand, who does understand that if it's hour 15 and I can't make dinner and I text him, there's no, you know, sad face. It's like, Oh babe, I totally get it. I've been there. You know what I mean? So that's really nice. But I'm a huge, huge fan of um, recharging my battery. I love to chill. <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I and not even kids. Netflix and chill, but like, I just, you know, when I come home, I, I immediately change into something super comfortable. John and I are really proud of our environment and we have a, I, I feel a very beautiful home surrounded with beautiful things. Guys, and... I've seen this apartment in LA and let me tell I felt so lucky to be invited there and I just, I never wanted to leave. I really want to just move on in because <laughs> we wish you so would have. Cool, guys. <laughs> let me tell you, the bathroom is amazing. Go on. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, <laughs> and I think that's really important guys listening. It's environment is everything because your home is your peace. That is literally your heart. That's where you recharge. That's where you literally sleep and eat and and live. And it's not just existing, you're living. And so your surroundings are so important because they really do um, influence, you know, your brain. I love a very tidy, clean environment because I always think cluttered home, cluttered mind or cluttered career. So keeping that space wide open, you know what I mean? It really, I, I really strongly believe that. And so keeping the space very open and peaceful is good. Um, John and I, we're both really, really good at napping. We're really good at chilling out. We're really good <laughs> at inspiring each other. And um, we just, you know, like I'll come home and I'll relax. And I like to get horizontal and read a good book or, you know, like, so I'm a super nerd. I love games. I'll just literally plug into my iPad and play mindless games that just are fun and challenging and you know of course um i do love being outdoors i love hiking we have so many great places in la to do that it's very inspiring it makes my it's exercise but a byproduct of that is that it really clears my brain and it's very inspiring because i'll see colors in nature that inspire me or i'll see the way a yellow flower is next to a you know a, a brick wall and wow that looks cool and you know what i mean it's very inspiring to um be out in nature I love that because I think a lot of people always ask, you know, the, the, the artist that's known, you know, what's your inspiration? And, you know, inside right. I do a soft eye roll because 
I think like <laughs> that's so it's such a cliche to ask, but at the same time, they are genuinely curious. Like, well, how did you come up with this look? And you, they want to know the answer. And it's to look at nature as as the first, you know, element, so to speak, of inspiration, and then letting your mind be clear with um, taking it down a notch and being horizontal in your cozies or yes. thinking about something that has nothing to do with makeup. Well, it's true. And it's interesting because like I do draw a lot of informa- uh, inspiration from going to museums and all that. However, with that being said, it's other people's work that I'm looking at, which can be very inspiring, of course. But when I'm in nature and I'm on my own and it's my brain putting things together in its own way, I find that to be even more inspirational because I just get very connected with nature and I, and it's, it's literally very Zen. I'm very one with nature, but it really is important to me. And whenever I go to a new city or I'm traveling across, you know, the globe, um, I always source like, you know, where's the nearest park or the nearest, like, you know, outdoor environment, or I do go to museums and I, I actually love going to modern museums as much as I'm into vintage and old art. I love modern museums to see like what are the locals doing what's going on in the city you know what it really does give you a a a chance to connect to the pulse of creativity in a specific spot i think that's really good advice and i think for anyone that's listening that lives in a like a smaller town that that does not live in la or that does not live in new york or miami or chicago or anywhere that might have you know these things this could be something you can aspire to or make a date with yourself and you know drive out a little bit to go to a museum or go hiking or find someone that you can just, you know, reconnect with and maybe not talk about makeup or beauty. Exactly. And you know what I call that? I call it a date with the artist because you're alone. You're with yourself. You're dating. You're on a date with the artist. And I actually learned that technique from that amazing book, The Artist's Way. And of course, I can never remember the author. Sorry, author. But it's a great book with great exercises. And it really does. Um, it's it's an essential book for any artist to read um one thing i wanted to ask you and and this i recently just read a post and this is i know this has happened to people that are listening is you go to a client you've had that conversation you've asked the questions you feel pretty confident in what you're about to do you execute they love it they say and you go home and then you get that email or that phone call that says you know i found through my friends that my foundation was too light or my lashes were too thick or my lipstick was too dark or whatever. And they start to kind of nitpick. How do you like swallow that, not take it personally one and two, how would you come back to somebody so that you could either fix or walk away? So there's really a twofold answer to that. First and foremost, I, when somebody gets up out of my chair, they have signed off on their look period. And I, that's why I'm always checking in with my clients when I'm working with them. You know what I like to call that taking the client's temperature. Yes. Well, exactly. Taking the client's temperature. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to find out that they had a fever after I left. Right. You know what I mean? And also too, like a lot of what you said is rooted in insecurity. You know, well, my friend told me that X, Y, and Z or, you know, and, and it is what it is. And sometimes, you know, lighting is everything. You guys, I always travel with a light. I love the makeup light a lot. Um, you know, and it really does help to have the light because then you can see, does the face match the neck? You know, does it, you know, are we, are we having color harmony? Are we having consistency? Checking in, taking the temperature. That's a great way to put it. And really saying like, how do you feel about this? Are you okay with this? 
and and really having them sign off and also being again assist not insist if they say well i think my brows are a little dark and you can say well as a professional i strongly believe this works for this look however if you'd like we can tone them down let's try it and and just collaborating but like i said the minute they stand up out of that chair they have signed off on the look so, so it's important to find out throughout the experience instead of just get it done and check. Right? That's correct. Okay. That's right. Exactly. And if you do get that email or if you do get that feedback, I mean, first of all, if you don't know, you don't grow. So there's number one. If you don't know, you don't grow. And we need to know. And remember, it's constructive because also, too, you cannot take anything personally. If they say to you, I found my foundation was a little light or my friend pointed that out to me then you might have a dialogue. If they say to you, I think you're a horrible makeup artist and a terrible person, that might be a little different. Right. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? So what I'm, <laughs> my point is, it's not like anyone's attacking you or your artistry or your skill. But if they do, you know, it's like, I would, I would thank them. Thank you so much for letting me know. Um, I was under the impression that we were both satisfied with the foundation. Should we choose to work together again, which I hope we do, let's try perhaps doing something different, you know, or whatever. I love and, that. I think this is a really good tip for, for artists. And speaking of artists um, that really focus on special event, I want to talk a little bit about bridal because I know that, you know, um, if you guys don't know, we're, we're actually going to be coming to Nashville. Um, yes. In a of weeks for a bridal class with John Likefeld, of course. We're going to be doing all kinds of makeup on uh, focusing on deeper skin tones. Um, yes. But I want to talk a little bit about bridal because, you know, I've been doing bridal my whole life. That's how I, I built my career. And one thing that I actually had to put in my in my contract and in my prep document is about people that like to hover and hang around. So I know that, you know, um, you can mm -hmm. kind of compare like if a mom or a best friend or a sister's like, I think she should have this. You kind of kind of work in a similar thing with public relations people or oh, managers. Yeah. Like how do you navigate that where you can still say, you know what? I actually know what I'm talking about people. What, what are you, you know, why are you trying to tell me how to do my job basically? Right. Oh, too many chefs in the kitchen, honey, and boy, it's burning the food. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we, do, it really how do we is. deal with it in a tactful manner, but also maybe, you know, being professional and coming across like, I am the expert here, so like, back off. Well, I think almost, I hate to say it, but almost saying it like that, being very confident and being very impeccable with your word. And I think I've had a situation where I've, I've literally said, um, you guys, thank you all for, for the commentary. I think this is going to be between me and the client and, and it's worse when the client's like, mom, what do you think? Or, Oh sister, do you like this? What do you think? Are the brows too dark? And it's, it gets really challenging because it actually makes the job go longer. Um, it gets frustrating. You have to kind of breathe. And I think that it's very, a very polite way of saying, you know, um, you guys, I need you to work with me. I, 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 as an expert, as a pro, I want to take, you know, Susie through this experience and this journey in a way that we can work together with it. But sometimes a little bit too much feedback can, um, it, it can, it, it, it starts to create a little confusion or frustration. I think that's really great because, you know, I, I always tell people like, you know, while I appreciate the mom or the best friend or the sister's opinion, the only one that really matters is the bride or the client that I'm working on. And so I ask that they wait in the waiting room or across the street at the cafe and they can come look at the finished look, but they're not allowed to hover during the service. And I just kind of create that boundary in the beginning so yep. that there's no confusion later or no awkward moments. 
Exactly. And I always say just with anything in relationships, in a work environment, you have to be very specific about your boundaries. And I have actually said to um, in a in a in a professional situation, you guys, and I'll even make a joke like not to be a diva, but can we clear the room because I really need this one on one time with X, Y, Z, or maybe just the hair person can be in here oh, I love because that. a lot of people are talking and chatting and, you know, and it could be very distracting one of my clients is very polite, so she'll turn her head to talk to somebody, and I'm just like, oh, I'm over here. <laughs> Remember me? Right. Moving target. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's just, it's just working with each other. And, you know, when you start working on sets and working with people, you, you really start working with the same teams over and over again, and you really get the rhythm. And um, I give everyone space. I'm going to give the stylist space to do their job, the hairdresser space to do their job. And they should offer me the same respect. You know, you have built up this incredible career. And I know that you have the confidence to walk into just about any room and create what is necessary for the job at hand. And um, I'm just, I'm going to ask you kind of a, it's like a personal question, but have you ever in your career felt like when you left a job that you felt a little broken or you felt like, God, I just... I just feel like I need to quit or I need to take a break because I, I thought I did what I was supposed to do and it just didn't turn out because I, I hear a lot of people talk about that, but they don't really have a, an answer. So I'm just want to know from your professional standpoint, I know you have the confidence now, but was there ever a time where you just thought this is not, it's not me. I can't do it. No, the answer is no. I've never ever once doubted that I'm in the right business ever. You know what I mean? However, with that being said, you know, I've perhaps worked with somebody and let's say it just didn't really go well. It wasn't a love connection. It wasn't a click. Um, <laughs> they wanted their makeup very, very differently than I wanted it. They, you know, may have said, well, let me do my own lashes and they want to put on their lashes or, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, again, you just don't. And I, my joke now is go right ahead. I'm getting paid to stand here now. Perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and do it. <laughs> uh, they're paying me for you to do your own makeup. Um but, you know, nothing's ever, no one has that power. You cannot ever let anyone have that power over you. Um, no one, unless somebody literally looks at you and says, you should quit doing makeup. You have no idea what you're doing. And if somebody does say that they're really cruel and they're very mean and they do not deserve to ever have you do their makeup ever again <laughs> or their hair or what have you. But, you know, we've all left a job feeling deflated. We've, we've left jobs like, oh, God, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to or but then you also have to remember all the people you have made happy and all the people who um, want you to do work. And it doesn't mean um, that you're never going to work in this town again or that you're going to get a bad reputation. I think if you always come from a place of kindness, you're going to succeed no matter what. Even if the makeup doesn't go the way you wanted it to, if the client really, if it wasn't a connection or it didn't really work out, it's okay. You can't take it personally. There's enough work out there, I promise. I love it. I thank you so much, Gregory Arlt. And you know, the, I was thinking of like, what am I going to call this podcast? And I think I'm going to call it, do you know who you are? Because it's clear that you know who you are as an artist and as a person. And you're just so wonderful. And I so appreciate your time oh, thank and your you. incredibly busy schedule. And I can't wait to see you in Nashville. And for everybody listening out there, you know, the reason I created Makeup is the Foundation is because we all need a safe space to talk about the things that are on our mind, whether it has to do with a formulation or a situation. And I couldn't think of anybody better to have as my very first guest than. than oh my gosh. I am so honored, Erica. Listen, I just have to say, I will, I will come back and do this anytime you want. Um, I am so blown away by what you're doing for the artist community. I mean, you are literally taking 
artistry to another level by giving all the artists the exposure to makeup artists who can teach and, and give tips, tricks, and techniques. And I think what you're doing is revolutionary and don't stop. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you're you so welcome. much for listening and please subscribe to this podcast if you like it and share it with your friends. Um, we are going to continue to bring you the latest and greatest. And um, I'm just so happy that I'm able to do this. And thank you so much, Gregory. I hope you have a great rest I'm of your so day. Grateful. Thank you. You too. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us and catch me next Saturday when I'll release a new podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can click donate um, or support on my website, which is ericacarclasses.com or I'm going to class.com. And thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate the support. Have a great day.